James, there's one place I want to start the show. Because... America. Nope, actually, weirdly not. <laughs> we have had a track record on this show what? of recording episodes, and then as soon as we upload the episode, massive news breaks. Huge news. True. This time... We have broken the curse. We slept in. We, we did. Yes. And shockingly, massive news broke three hours before we decided recording. Yeah. Which is enough time for the news to break, but not enough time for us to actually form valid opinions around it. Right. Well, you've got about 15 minutes of an intro to come up with some <laughs> thoughts about Nicola Sturgeon. But how about that? We've, we've managed to undo years of bad juju, which was clearly something we did in a past life, which has come back to, to haunt the podcast. Because we did have an extraordinary, extraordinary run of uh, just bad timing, more than anything. It's impressive. I think maybe, though, it's just there's always bad news. <laughs> and no matter when we record it, there's going to be a bad news a minute later. That's true. Because the world is not good. But there's th- it's just not being good for a long time. I don't think it's ever been good, no. to be fair. There's bad news and then there's big bad news. You know, it's different. Yeah, 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 yeah. True. We've we have preempted or pre-recorded. A, we've I think I think news has broken during recording. It sometimes has. That we end recording or we that we look at the headlines. Right. Oh no. We should we should re-record that bit or maybe add a bit. Let's do a little bit of an extra part now. Yeah. I, in fact, I actually have done that. I remember editing ed- episodes and having to put in an addendum of "Hello, everyone." Just to let you know, we recorded this before said news broke, so um, don't hate us forever. Bye. And then show continues. Bye. So, thankfully this time, we're able to talk about Nicola Sturgeon resigning. Because how about that? Yeah, I mean, how about like, that? Good for us. Well, anyway, what's well, before we get into right. forming opinions on that in a matter of minutes, uh, I, the second place I want to start the show is America. America. Hey. So, we went to Dallas... And we came back, uh-huh. we survived. But let me tell you, yeah. th- a, a few observations that I want to discuss. Number one. Was it cold? I know they say the thing, everything's bigger in Texas, but my goodness. Right. I have put on, genuinely put on half a stone in the space of a week because of the portion oh, sizes. So you're bigger in Texas. I am also bigger in Texas. For example, <laughs> breakfast was the best place to, to start this because in Scotland... If you order a breakfast of pancakes with bacon and syrup, they'll give you a couple, maybe palm-sized pancakes with a couple strips of bacon and like a thimble of syrup. Maybe a shot glass. Yeah, enough sugar to get you going and then knock you out okay. again. Whereas in Texas, it was, oh, there's pancakes on the menu with bacon and syrup. I'll have some of that. And they come back with a some. dinner-sized stag of three buttermilk pancakes yeah. covered in crispy bacon and a jug of syrup. A jug. And I thought... You don't have to finish the jug. Right. I know. And I didn't. But I did <laughs> eat all the pancakes and the bacon. I mean, yeah, and of course. it demonstrated to me that just because I can doesn't mean I should. So maybe Scottish restaurants have the sizing correct. Because everywhere we went, food was phenomenal. But the portion sizes, my goodness, that is clearly you think it... where you pile on the pounds. Or people in America are just super fit and they run every day and they burn off all the extra calories because, gosh. maybe Yeah, maybe they do more hard labor. I don't know. I think we're comparably no. obese. I don't really we, we are, so... like to compare. I thought like Scotland was pretty pretty close up there with the United we States. We are obese, absolutely. But we are, no, we are several rungs below the States. They are 
Okay. I was going to say inches ahead, but that makes it sound much smaller than it is. I mean, inches is a lot. Yards ahead. You, you can have a lot of inches. Yards. No, Their I mean, stomachs go around the corner. Right. I mean, that's just harsh now, Colin. Behave. <laughs> yeah, okay. The, the other observation, which... Sorry, two more observations. Observation number two. We went to an ice hockey game. We went to see the Dallas Stars ice versus fun. the Minnesota people. Yeah. And that's not their name. Yeah. They... One, Dallas Stars won 4-1. Oh, yeah. But what was so interesting about it was twofold. Number one, the atmosphere in that place was non-existent because oh, what? clearly people just go, and I say this is a good thing, people just go for like a night out. It's the, hey, want to go catch the Stars game? And they ch- they chuck on a jersey and they go get a beer and they go to the game and they enjoy themselves and then they go home. Right. So even if the Dallas Stars lost 10-0, people still would have had fun. They would have been like, at the end of the game, maybe, oh, boo, boo. So it's a social event. And then they would get up and go. So, okay. and it's so different to sport in Scotland because I could count on, in the space of the um, two hours we were at the game, there was one half-hearted chant of like, <laughs> Let's go stars. Oh, cut, not cut, the cut, let's cut, go Let's chant. go stars. Come that on, was get it. that out of here. And the funniest part was this jumbotron in the middle, which was showing you the, the, the televised game happening a few yards below you. Right. Was also attempting to get chants going oh, no. by flashing up words in particular order and like beating a little drum. Okay. But the, the most bizarre slash most fascinating part of that game right. was... In Scotland, uh-huh. when we play sport, right. let's let's pick football. I mean, we're being broad here, yeah. There's there's a, there's a foul, uh-huh. and the referee blows a whistle. Yes, and everyone gets into position, kind of, and the referee puts the ball down, right. and play continues, right? Sure. In ice hockey, close enough. When there was, and we see this in the Super Bowl too, when the ball or the ball, the puck went behind the wrong line, or someone was offside, or there was a foul, uh-huh. instantly. Neon lights and boom, boom, boom. This music starts pulsing and there's adverts and flashing signs. And then sometimes it lasted for like nine seconds. You can look away from the game. We must must sell you something. (laughs) Right. You don't have to pay attention anymore. We must sell you something. Suddenly after like nine seconds, it would all cut out and okay, action continues. And then 30 seconds later, stoppage again. And the opening riff of One Step Closer by Linkin Park starts playing. (laughs) I turn to my boss and I say, oh, this is such a good song. And we don't even... Even get to the drums no, it's done. of that song, yeah, because it's just like constant stimulation for the audience. Because they clearly they, they invented TikTok. American <laughs> sports invented TikTok. They clearly cannot deal with like nine seconds of people on the ice or on the field or on the pitch just getting themselves organized, getting back in position. Right. Referee telling them where to where to stand. Okay, Punk goes I there. That- keep playing. It was so yeah, interesting. I think that part of the sports culture, I think, is probably more transcendent across all U.S. For sure. sports. I know there's a I know there's a big degree of of differences between like watching a baseball game and then watching like a basketball yep. game and all of that stuff. But yeah, I get the marketing is very much just the part of the <laughs> right. sports that it, we don't see that over here. No. However, I would say that the chance. And the social event stuff, that's probably a bit more diverse. I, I imagine like baseball and, and ice hockey, probably a bit more social, even though ice hockey is way the coolest sport that they play. Oh, for sure. And that's not just a pun. 
Um, and then, like, I think basketball, there's, there is tribalism and hatred Definitely. between clubs. And same for American football. Maybe that's true in ice hockey as well. And you just went to the wrong game, you know? Maybe, yeah. Maybe the Dallas Stars only have uh, tourists who are there for conferences. I can imagine, yeah, I can imagine that in Texas, ice hockey doesn't have as big of a deep of a history. That's very true. Uh, yeah, until global warming, and now everyone's very interested. Yeah, and every so, winter now they're really into ice hockey. <laughs> there was two moments in the in, in particular where there was a break in the game for like yeah seven seconds, and suddenly it flashes up. The next minute, sponsored by Dr Pepper. The next minute, if Dell <laughs> score in the next minute, the Dr Pepper minute, everyone wins Dr Pepper, <laughs> and then the this full jumbotron is like flashing it's, for sixty seconds, and if Dallas score, everyone fictional. wins Dr Pepper. It's, it feels like the satire that was coming out of, the, of Hollywood in like the eighties, right? This feels like doc, like uh, like like RoboCop satire level. I've got a better one, right? So. Right, go. During ice hockey, it turns out, is three periods of 20 minutes, which I was unaware of. Right. During the first, like, a half time or third time break, yeah. seeing as they split into thirds, they... They shaved the ice. It brought out two young kids who were doing, like, the, how many pucks can you score in the goal? Which... Fair enough. You do that in Scotland at halftime of football matches. You bring two kids out and they go to opposite ends and they see and who they can score a, the most. A, yeah, they have a challenge. Yeah, And well done. Yeah. One, one of you wins a tenner. Yeah. But this time, they brought out the two kids uh-huh. and along with the two kids, this giant Volkswagen 4x4 four rocks out into the ice. An American-sized car. Yeah, and, okay. and drives out and just sits in the center circle of this ice hockey rink. And an advert? Yep. So it was like, kid, puck off, sponsored by Volkswagen. And this whole car that drove out, it sat in the halfway line. The two kids kids couldn't win it? No, they won like $50. They had their wee puck off. And then (laughs) the Volkswagen just pucked off too. It just drove off the out of the ring. And that was it. It was so, so bizarre. I don't know. It's. that's where the money is. That's the future of sports here too. You better get used to it. Oh, Kilmarnock FC games sponsored by I mean Skoda. We already have cringe sponsors, right? We just don't have the whole marketing element of the of the sport solved to the degree that Americans do yet. We already right. do have some of the worst sponsors. We we do. I mean, my team plays at the Tony Macaroni Arena. <laughs> we, the, that's the cringiest thing in existence. That's great. Also known as the Spaghetti, spaghetti Hat. Spaghetti Hat yeah, makes it not it. cringe anymore. Yeah. So final point because I know I. I do a lot of talking on the show already. This conference we went to, we did play Letter from America by the Proclaimers. I was going to ask, how was the walkout? So my boss was very keen, clearly just a bit nervous. And so he got on the stage before we even got to the, when you go, will you say bye? So we didn't even oh, get so you're still in the music? actual Letter from America bit. America reference. We just walked up when the guitars were playing. So... Uh. To the vast majority of the audience, nobody got it. Totally lost on them. Nobody got it. You see, that's what I said. You got it. You had to go for one that was a should have done a safe bet. They're gonna they're gonna get it just from like the intro. Yep. Never mind. Not, not like a yep. lyrics moment. So that that was lesson learned. Second point was, but that you, no, but if you went for a cringe a cringe well known one, that would have been equally cringe, right? You, there's no <laughs> okay. win here. You would have still been embarrassing. Second point was that they did actually have pink co- cowboy hats, which we wore. On stage. Uh-huh. And initially... For the whole presentation? Nope. Within 20 seconds, okay. both hats were off because both of us were like, oh, this is, this is, this is you weird. you got to be serious. But uh-huh. by the end of the, the afternoon, I'd, I'd put it back on at one point because we had to for the interactive Photos stuff we were doing. Okay. And I just forgot it was on. So I was just rocking around with a pink cowboy hat on. Uh-huh. But I tell you what, 
It's one thing that British and Scottish conferences can learn from because the most easy thing that conferences typically tend to be is boring. It's dull. Right. It's a day of talks and seminars and yada, yada, yada. Whereas here... They made the entire conference and seminars with hats, cowboy Woo. themed. So it was people dressed up and they had their checkered shirts. Okay, they actually dressed up. Their okay. jeans and the spurs, but they actually did it. And as well as like, yeah, the cowboy themed title and the seminars and all that, they totally leaned yeah, into the really it. Good word play. And mm-hmm. the word, but the worst bit of all this though, as well, is the the gulf in humor oh. was so obvious, and I completely underestimated it. So. Long story short, the night before, uh-huh. at the reception for this conference, I rode a mechanical bull. That's very hot. It was. I, I had a couple of beers and I thought it would be funny. So, you know me. I did that. And in our introduction, Andrew, my boss my boss and colleague, says, uh, So, Colin, tell us about who you are. But first of all, tell us, how have you recovered from the bull last night? And here was my response <laughs> to a room of 250 people. Right? I said, <laughs> I said, well, it was my first time, and I lasted four seconds, so it was. It brought back some fond memories. To silence. Absolute deathly silence. And I thought, great. <laughs> that joke just has oh. sailed past the audience and out the door and out of the venue and back to Scotland. So yeah, surely, they, that one, surely they got it. That's just awful. No. Surely they right? got it. But then... Later on in the day, we were demonstrating question and answer technique. And something I like to do with my boss is I wind him up because the founder of the company is his dad. Right. So that's an easy nep- baby, nepo baby, nepotism question, right? Aye, aye, aye. So we're demonstrating on stage Q&A technique. And Andrew says, go on, Colin, ask me the nastiest question you can. And I say, oh, uh, no. okay, here we go. Andrew, you run the company your dad founded did you get the job out of nepotism? And as soon as I the, the last word entered my mouth, guffaws, laughter for 10, 12, 15 seconds, uproarious laughter. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, that was like a genuine question. <laughs> <an actual> question. <laughs> so it was so interesting because a lot of the jokes then, and myself and Andrew reflected on this, they just had to be very, very obvious that... That was a joke laugh, whereas a lot of my humor is a bit more subtle. You see, I, I hear this a lot about American humor, but I only ever interact with people on the internet <laughs> where there's just different humor automatically. So I don't, True. I don't have any knowledge of what, it, what the actual differences are. Have you been to America? No. Oh, weird. I thought you had. Anyway, yeah, no, it's, no, it's a real no. thing. It's a real place. I swear. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Jet lagged ruined me both ways. I'm I'm assuming it would. I am fine now. Good. Just in time for Nicola to quit. Oh, I know. Okay. James, what about you? What's been happening? Sorry, longest intro ever. Uh, made my Wi-Fi more powerful. That's it, though. No. That's all. Nice. <laughs> Job done. Did that take a week? And I don't have to, like, lift my phone up, uh, foot off of my desk to guarantee that it's got a connection to the, to the Wi-Fi right now. Great. Okay. Yeah. How would it handle uh, all of my devices connecting to it? Pretty well. I'm, I'm get- How many do you have? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Five? <laughs> phone? Laptop? <laughs> PS4. It would do great. It would do great. My Wi-Fi is super strong now. Also in news, I can update you in a future review section. I bought Red Dead Redemption 2 because it was on sale for 17 oh, nice. quid. Yeah, very thematic. So that's uh, that's that's coming. Anyway, welcome to the show. Seesaw Parade, episode 306. That's a number. I'm Colin. He's James. I am. We're still here. 
and we will not resign. Yeah. <laughs> no. The least filled resignation podcast. Uh, your new favorite podcast. Yeah. Particularly if you if you dislike Nicola Sturgeon. Yeah. Or or liked her. You know. Wait, what? We we can swing both ways. Sure. I don't know. Just saying words. Yeah. Let's cater to let's cater to the whole crowd. Nicola Sturgeon was. A politician. Gobsmacking. Right, exactly. But in what way? Bad or good, but gobsmacking. Stick around to find out. And on this show, we will be talking about, of course, this breaking news, which we brought to you here first, which you heard here first (laughs) on Seesaw Parade. Yeah, huh? Sure. The first minister of Scotland. Several hours after everyone knows. (laughs) Resigning. You know, some people don't watch the news anymore. I know people who stop watching the news because it's so sad. I don't watch the news. I just read it. Right. So we'll, we'll talk about that. But then we'll also talk about spy balloons and um, other sad things like earthquakes and murders. So... Yeah, there's too much. But then there's we'll talk about much. The Devil Wears Prada. So that's... Uh, yay. Yay. Okay. Oh, I see you've watched uh, the Black Panther sequel. Nice. I have. Okay. Spoiled it. No, I, sorry. I'm, I'm just teasing it for the listeners. So li- listeners, you've, you've got to stick around. She teased it. Okay. <laughs> that sounds that sounds really interesting. Shall we start talking about it? What, I mean, the, the show, not, not Wakanda Forever. <laughs> okay, the show. <laughs> no, no, let's let's just pretend all the serious news isn't happening. Let's talk about this Marvel movie which came out six months ago. Oh man! Be- yeah. Before we do that, before we talk about Nicholas Sturgeon and of course Black Panther two, you can get in touch with the show at Seasoperate, Seasoperate at gmail.com. Oh, I'm sure you will have opinions on what we are going to talk about today. So, yeah, what do you think about Nicholas Sturgeon? Yeah, gobsmacking. Lee, what? In what way? Tell us. Yeah, tell us. How did your gob get smacked? Yeah, how did your jaw drop? <laughs> it's so bad. It's fine. The show is becoming increasingly unhinged, and I am here for it. Okay. Nicola Sturgeon, in news which did genuinely shock me, has confirmed yeah, I was surprised. she yeah, yeah, is yeah. resigning yep. as Scotland's first minister after more than eight years in charge. So, in his speech today in Edinburgh, you heard it here first, Yarr. the SNP leader said she knew in my head and heart oh, in your head. it was the right time to step down. Miss Sturgeon said she would remain in office until a successor is elected, right. uh, longest serving first minister in history and the first woman to hold the position and she insisted her resignation was not in response to the latest period of pressure which as we talked about on the show has included the controversy over the gender reform act the strategy on independence which failed at the high court trans prisoners all these different things she acknowledged there had been choppy waters but said her decision had come from a deeper longer term assessment so yeah James, there's a lot more that she said in that press conference. If you want to go and see it, dear listener, please do go and watch it for yourself. What's your initial response, James, unfiltered on uh, on the news that Nicola Sturgeon has decided just weeks after Jacinda Ardern, it is fair to say, oh, yeah. stepped down. She did reference in her speech that a strength of the leader is, is recognising when it was the right time to go. Yeah. Was it the right time to go? Probably. I don't. We talked about it before. Sturgeon couldn't go, even when she was getting heavily quizzed and investigated for all sorts of uh, either in your brain fictional or real scandals. 
Um, yeah. Because there was just no follow-up people around. I think since that time, the SMP still hasn't really invested in any of the up-and-coming names at all. No. Uh, so Sturgeon still probably can't go, but that doesn't mean that it's a worse time. It's probably an even better time to go because how long can you be the leader of a party and still be popular? How how long can you be a leader of a party and still be electable? Yep. Uh, still be like fresh enough for people to be interested and invigorated by you? It's probably not eight years and more. Um, I think seeing us to the softer side of the COVID pandemic is a good you know, punctuation point. The pandemic's not over. It's never going to be over now. Uh, but now that things are more predictable and steady again, it, it is a fine time for leadership to change. Whereas in the previous years, uh, it was maybe a bit more of a difficult time for things to change. Not that that stopped the Tories. Um, yeah, yeah. But right now seems like an, an okay time. There's enough time before the next elections that there's 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 time for the for whoever follows up to make a name for themselves and become more of a familiar face to everyone and therefore more electable. Um, and and uh, that's that's all the SMP can do now is to try and figure out who's next, okay. invest in them, and hopefully they'll have somewhat of a legacy. But yeah, Nicola's done a pretty decent job. Sure. I've, there's a lot of things the SMP under Nicola did that I don't like. There's a lot of things they did that I do like. Overall, she just seemed to be a capable politician. She did a good job of being a politician, right? More so than other people in in like are, that are her contemporaries. So, I've got a, a a few points to make. The first one would be this was a surprise, but the more I think about it, the more I agree with you and believe this was probably the right time because yeah, it has been eight years. That's the the maximum that a, a U.S. president will serve, for example. And even if I think of prime ministers, that's typically the top end of the spectrum that they'll they'll serve as about that same length of time. And they get stale very soon after that. Sure, and the risk is, and the risk has been that she's become stagnant and stale. But also, as she alluded to in her speech, she now comes with every single contemptuous or uh, complex or controversial bill she's now chucked into the mix as well yeah. as oh this is just one of Nicola's schemes exactly because yeah. she's become this this uh, caricature to a lot of people who disagree with her politically so yeah I I completely understand why you would go having steered the country through COVID which would have been a near impossible task to get right and I believe she largely did the right thing when it came to the pandemic. Yeah. She's dealt with Brexit, the Tories, the fallout of independence. She, of course, took after, uh, took over after the 2014 referendum. And yeah. to me, one of the biggest issues was the fact that it didn't seem apparent that she had a plan B for getting a, an independence referendum too, even though it was yeah, it was very clear, and she made this mandate of oh, it's going to be by October twenty twenty three. That date is looming large, and um, yeah, no closer to it. So that to me, yeah, quit before you fail was yep. <laughs> was a clear sign that look, you took it to the high court, 
you lost, and sure, you might have been able to predict that you lost, that you were going to lose. But what was what was the next step after that, other than doing a Catalonia and holding a essentially an illegal exactly. referendum? Yeah. So, I, and I, I have seen people talk about that in the sense that there is no longer a short term plan for any next steps. It would have taken five, six, yeah. more and more years, and therefore, like you're looking at a, a leadership that's spanning into twelve, fourteen, even up to fifteen years before having an idea for what to do next. So, yeah, yeah, cut it off right now before you commit to any huge long-term plan. Uh, and there's also the the problem of she had marginalized some, or some marginalized, she had weaponized some more marginalized groups and really put them in the firing firing line by so vocally supporting their causes. Now, I appreciate that is part yeah. of what you do. I like the terminology there. As, as, a, as a politician, you're attempting to get support for causes that you believe in. I, I completely I, I support that and I agree with a lot of what she did. But to me, it was the way in which she went about it because she had been in power for so long and has been in charge for so long that it meant that you know, when the likes of J.K. Rowling are wearing T-shirts with your names on it, or your yeah. name on it, and your definition is destroyer of women's rights, yeah. you're in trouble. That's that's why I, that's why I push back on the idea that she weaponized anyone. I think that her stances allowed other people to weaponize those marginalized fair groups. Fair enough. Yeah, that's, that's fair. But what do you do? How do you control that? You either have a stance or you don't. And, and it's obviously better to have a stance, even if it enables a bunch of... Uh, pretty ill-intended people to come out and weaponize that said group. Right. So so to me then, it was a case of essentially running out of road because yeah. NDREF 2, the, the proposed date is on the horizon with no plan for how to achieve it. The bills that we've talked about and highlighted even over the last few months have gone poorly. Her uh, approval ratings have slid in. I know polls go up and down, but... Well, she, she slid into neutral for the first time, yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, and that's that's got to play a part in it. But also, as we've talked about briefly before, person, the personal attacks that she will yes. be receiving and has Constant received for, for legitimately years, a decade, must take a toll. Yes. It's it's bad enough getting you know one nasty YouTube comment or or someone who say who disagrees with me on Reddit, let alone. A barrage of people sending you, whether it's death threats, whether it's yeah. threatening to perform the most horrific crimes on you, I would, I've, that's got to have an impact on you. So I believe, yet yeah, right time to go. And for a myriad of reasons, yeah. I can see why you would, because that would take a toll on yeah. anyone. The final point before I hand back to you, though, sure. and we'll talk about this in more depth. There's a real, ironically, lack of depth within the SNP as to who's next. Yeah. Because Miss Sturgeon has said she's going to stick around yeah. as an MSP, at least until the next election. Aye. And she'll weigh up her options then. Yeah. And she said she said she's going to continue to support the party and she'll push for independence as, as ever. She's convinced her successor will lead Scotland to an independent future. But who's it going to be? That's the question. There's, like, there's, there, there's basically zero names that make good sense. I can think... Of three, and each of them have problems. Like the most obvious name would be Robertson, but that he feels too okay, connected to like the old party, right? <laughs> yep. But I think people like there's a there's a little bit of a call for someone like Forbes to come out and be represented. But I, I believe that okay. the personal beliefs don't align with the party. 
Yeah. And you can't have that as the leadership, right? Surely. On that point, this is Kate Forbes, who is the current finance minister, has had somewhat of a meteoric Strong-ish rise. Strong-ish politician. Yep. Yeah, good speaker, um, young woman in politics, lots of plaudits. However, as you've highlighted there, yep. her personal beliefs, I believe she is still a professing Christian, and that would make yeah. some of the bills the SNP want to pass totally contradict what she would stand for. So I am unsure. Yeah, how if, do you do that as a leader? Yeah. Well, either she's going to have to just go with what the party wants or she's going to stand firm and say, no, this is what I want. And in that exactly. case, don't go for the leadership position because if that's if, if your individual beliefs are going against what the party is voting for, then it's not. It's time for someone else, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't, I don't even know if I would want to vote for a leader of a party who had opposing personal beliefs right, to the right. stuff they're representing. I don't think you, they could do an f- adequate job representing things that they don't believe in. But that's that's, that's the same for, for a lot of politicians, though, right? It is. They, they, have to, they, they represent a party. They don't believe in everything the party stands for. They don't believe in everything, but I think that I think they I think that you should have a strong belief in like the basic principles. And in this instance, we're talking about basic principles of like human rights access for marginalized groups. Sure. And if you disagree with that, that is a that is a pretty strong basic principle to be disagreeing on with the party. Like how many how much rich people should be taxed? I guess you could have like some debate about things like that, where it's just like a okay. it's not like a yes or a no, there is a gray area, but when it's just like should these people be treated uh, with the basic human rights that they are supposed to be guaranteed according to like EU and world, l- I'm going to say law, but it's not really a law when it comes to the world. Sure, it's a it's a it's more of a yes or no. There is no gray area there. What are your other names though? The other one's Hamza Hamza Yusuf. True, now, Hamza has been I think tainted in I and think, around government. I think the COVID stuff is is too recent with Hamza. Right, I think he so he has been in and around government for as long as I was in journalism, so that would be probably a decade that he's been yeah, somewhere. Yeah. He's either been justice or uh let's see, culture, finance, he's, did, he's he kind edu- of did he do education? Transport. He may well have done education as well. So to to me, he's someone that the public knows, but he people already have opinions on him and it would also as much as it sands me to say it, it would bring out a lot of the worst people in Scotland to be like, he's not representing Scotland. I mean, honestly, that would be... He's a- from Pakistan. <laughs> that would be the biggest reason for me to vote for him. It's Same. just to actually make that conversation happen <laughs> yeah. when it doesn't. Because people, rec- people try to pretend that Scotland doesn't have a big racism problem just because we've got a little bit less of a public-facing racism problem than some other areas of the world. But we do. We've got deep roots in terms of like people being racist, but just kind of pretending that we're all just friendly. Hi, 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 a neighbor. Hello, friend. But no, there's there's serious racism here. I would like to see that conversation be on the headlines for as long as it takes to to get through it. Right. We will we will talk about uh, the UK's problems in a in a later story. By the way. Yeah. So yeah, indeed. So Yusuf. The reasons I think that the public wouldn't vote for him is that he, he, he his is one of the names that's attached to the hate crime bill, which is yep, yep. even now still unpopular for with different people for different reasons. I don't like some parts of it. Sure. Um, um, and I don't remember what happened during COVID, but Yusuf was a name during COVID for reasons that I'm pretty sure aren't popular. I don't remember well, why though. There was there was very few government politicians who were True. at that time. <laughs> just to just to sorry to add in some more information. Uh, so the SNP, the Scottish National Party are holding a special conference next month to decide how it should move the issue on 
of independence. Uh, yeah, Nicola, Nicola's like, all right, we'll hold a conference in March to talk about independence. I'm a quit now, yeah, though. Right. So <laughs> I'm unsure if they will have a replace. In fact, I doubt you would have a successor in time for this special conference. Uh, maybe. But also, maybe. Who would conservatives did it in two weeks? Who would want to take it? Because that's that to me is I the know. is the biggest question of all. The other name, by the way, is John Swinney. John Swinney has been is what I'd call I, a safe, if uncharismatic, pair of hands. Exactly. I can't imagine him being the leader. Yeah, he's he's always he strikes me as like a solid deputy. That's that's his role. Yeah, and I think that his name is attached to like all the education stuff that people hate. People have hated him for education reasons for a while. And again, this is like a, you're hating too much, but. Because they've been a, a party of leadership, so their names are attached to things that they've actually done. They're not just like the, the rebellious opposition. Right, right, right. What they need is to have one of them just be the rebellious opposition who's not actually done anything. Well, talk, talking off opposition remarks, just to give you some more context here, the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has thanked Miss Sturgeon for her long-standing service. Uh, the Conservative leader in the, the Scotland, Douglas Ross, has said uh, it's, it's right to recognise the demands it takes on a person, but then added yeah. she's presided over a decade of Vision and decay. So that was nice of him. Oh, who's who's doing that? Huh? <laughs> Tories, apparently. Who's, who's right now doing more of that while she's resigning? Please, mate. And then we've had Alex Salmond, who uh, leads the Alba party, who said that he felt for Miss Sturgeon, but he said there was no obvious successor and no strategy for independence. So that is, and you touched on a good point. When it comes to, to Salmond, regardless of his personal, uh, I was going to say misdemeanors, it was worse than that, but let's say personal issues. He was clearly and is a leader because he's a good talker, he's charismatic, and he was yeah. good at politicking. Nicola Sturgeon. Good at politics. Mainly because of how terrible the rest of her uh, political opponents <laughs> were, was made to look very good. And don't get me wrong, is yeah, and was yeah, yeah. a good politician in terms of yeah, but, yeah. doing the job. But she was always made to look better by really how incompetent Indeed. everybody else was. Yeah, her goodness was inflated by comparison. Certainly. <laughs> and she has been, just reading there, she was Deputy First Minister since 2004. That's a lot And now time. in 2023, she's she's leaving. So it's almost 20 years, crazy. either as, as the number two or the number one. So yeah. where's the next charismatic leader for the Scottish government? I don't know. And this will then lead into the next parliament. Where it's be interesting. I'm sure the opposition are seeing this as... Actually, you know what? We've got a shout here because if you don't have Sturgeon, who is a charismatic figure, whether you like her, you love her, you like her or love her, no. like her or love her, that's <laughs> the two options. That's it. Only fascism in this country. So um, <laughs> whether you love her or loathe her, she do you got... vote for the SNP or do you not vote right. for the opposition? <laughs> That, that is it. Yep. You vote for independence or you vote for Scotland to be free of the UK. That's it. So regardless, she did swing. So yeah, the, yeah, they're seeing it as a chance. A yeah. lot of people's views because a vote for her was a vote for independence. Would that be the same if we have a Forbes, a Yusuf, a Swinney, a Robertson? Honestly, I don't know. And other outside of those four names, I would really struggle to name another SNP politician I hope, in Hollywood. I hope some, I hope just some not very well known, but good speakers just hiding in the back rooms ready to pop out and be like, actually, <laughs> independence. Yeah. Our new first minister, Siobhan Brown. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe you could run, Colin. Maybe you could go for it. You can speak. The thing is, I have considered, like, Don't. recently, Don't. because... <laughs> it will end you. I, I'm not, no, I'm not going to. I'm just going to put in my pitch right here, because... You'd be good to speak, eh? 
I know I'm a good speaker. I know yeah. that I can persuade audiences. However, you can wear a cowboy hat. everything that comes with politics, like I would not last a day. <laughs> Because no, exactly. They'd 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 look into whether it was the family history. They'd look at personal beliefs. They'd look at uh, the religious aspect. And oh, but he also he's gay. And what does he think about the gender recognition bill? And hold on, let's dig into Colin's past and find out all the unsavory details he's been attempting to keep quiet for so long. That's exactly <laughs> what would happen. I would resign within a day. So I mean, I, I yeah, uh, no. Honestly, any anyone in a significant position in politics who's actually trying to do their job i know there's a lot of politicians who just go in do nothing get paid and leave the ones who actually try it seems like the most exhausting thing i can't imagine lasting a year in like normal level politician never mind leader of a party leader of a nation (laughs) level you know and she, she made a good point as well. She said it's almost impossible. So the sturgeon, by the way. Yeah. Almost impossible to go out for a coffee yeah. or catch up with friends. I mean, you just can't do it. She's never going to be able to. Quitting's not going to change that. <laughs> but, but it's it's going to make it easier. Easier, yeah. In, in, in inverted commas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the, the other problem, though, as well, is as you've, you've highlighted, sturgeon clearly... A dedicated politician, I was reading an article earlier which said that she decided at 17 she was going to go into politics because she oh, saw... Inspired by Thatcher. Inspired by Thatcher and everything that she stood for and decided, I yeah, am because the... Thatcher sucked so much. She was like, oh, I'm going to be the anti-Thatcher. The opposite. And that was someone who did, clearly, as you can see from how long she was in government for, she's been a politician since devolution started. Yeah. Clearly someone who dedicated their life to it. The problem with, let's say, if it was you or I decided to be a politician now you've had uh, what 15 years of making mistakes and because of the world we live in now on the air just uh, indeed <laughs> just download my grinder history and there you go you've got years worth of stories just speak to everybody on that list i know oh grim the future's not looking good for politicians man just, we're not no. gonna have many you, <laughs> nobody's gonna you be. need to have someone who's essentially squeaky clean has never put a, a well, foot wrong because if they have it's documented but at the same time maybe what you need is somebody who has all that history but just is unashamed of it right like right. trump <laughs> and then still just gets the votes you know okay, okay i'm sure you can achieve that as a good person as well you know it's like ah. I'm sure it is achievable because the media landscape is changing. You know, f- I, decades ago, you would have never asked the president or would-be presidents if they've, like, had a mistress. Okay. And then that changed. They started actually getting asked about mistresses and stuff. It, it was just normal for people to have them and not get talked to. Not, it was not talked about. And then eventually, it became an actual deal. And now, hey, faithfulness matters. Then Trump comes along. Actually, it doesn't again anymore. So, like... The field changes every few decades. That's, that's true. What? But no, preempting the bad news here, because we we, rec- we are recording post-resignation letter, preempting the bad news. If, since we recorded this, some massive bit of drama about Sturgeon's actual like physical health or like some scandal has just blown out the headlines, yeah. we apologize we missed it. It's There's potential that something like that in the next week or two is just going to come to the surface that Sir Sturgeon is really unwell or that one of the supposed fake scandals is actually real and there's a big 
motivator for quitting. Well, well, it could still well, happen. There was at the press conference, uh, I think it was Glenn Campbell from the BBC who shouted as she's walking away, uh, First Minister, have the police spoken to you in regarding your party's finances? Ah, thank you, BBC. <laughs> so so clearly that's, that's as you say, either one of these, is it is it not scandals? There are these options. And since we've, we've cracked up the news, I feel like one of them is going to happen right after we, we're finished recording. The police are going to come out and be like, Sturgeon's guilty. We've uh, yeah we've we got un- her. We un- got her. It. She's arrested right now. <laughs> there, there's one one final place I want to leave it. Now this is, I would say, more apt for a year down the line once it's uh, less. Oh, good. We're really ahead of the game. Fresh in the memory, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it right now. The legacy. Where does Nicholas Turgeon rank? Because to give you this context, uh, this article here reminds me she is the most experienced political leader in the UK when she became first minister of Scotland the prime minister and the man who hopes to be the next prime minister Keir Starmer weren't even politicians which is wild and and in an era where we have seen near constant political revolutions with churning in and churning out leaders and new leaders and new new leaders in contrast in Scotland there has just been this permanent fixture so that to me despite all those problems, has got to be seen. I'm sure in when we're much older, we will look back at this era as the Sturgeon era, for better or for worse. Yeah. I would say that her legacy is relatively safe because the scandals of the SNP pale in comparison to the scandals of their contemporary parties. And also losing independence. Yeah, and th- that happened before her. So... Her her predecessor lost and then has continued to embarrass themselves ever since they left office and is trying True. to regain office after embarrassing themselves. So compared to their predecessor, Sturgeon's legacy, great. Compared to the contemporary like leaders in the other parties, we've got uh, Corbyn completely failing, um, even though they were somewhat popular. And the whole reasons behind that was a massive public row over Labour anti-Semitism, which, again, is a debate that uh, people are still having We've got Starmer, who has basically done nothing as the opposition. We've got several Tory leaders who have overseen the collapse of the UK. Meanwhile, Scotland's been trying to not get dragged down quite as bad. And it's succeeding. We've got the lowest poverty rate in the UK right now. Um, So I think her legacy is safe just because everyone else around her was so bad. The SNP have done not very well. They've been completely middling. They've, They've overseen Scotland's decline more gracefully than other parties have overseen the decline of the UK. That I, I'm not impressed by them. But because everybody else is so bad, her legacy is probably going to be fine. I'll leave you with this. It's clear that her political opponents are relieved that she's going. Exactly. And that's a compliment. Yeah. If, if people are happy, if, if your opponents are happy that you're done, then you've, you've done all right. Okay, James, let's move on. I'm actually going to change up this order. Let's stick with the UK first, and then we'll talk about balloons, shall we? Yeah, balloons. I mean, yeah, the UK. Because we did talk about whether it was a a lean into fascism and uh, concerns of what's been happening over the the last few weeks, months, years, a slow decline into... That's concerning. There were a couple more examples of this this week. So we start in Liverpool, Mm -hmm. where... A massive disturbance broke out in Knowsley, just outside the city, with several hundred far-right demonstrators protesting outside a hotel where asylum seekers were staying. 
Right. How about that? Yes. Merseyside police said three people were arrested on suspicion of violent disorder. Witnesses at the Suites Hotel said missiles were thrown. Far-right supporters set a police van and its equipment on fire. Uh, We did have a counter-protest, but uh, yeah, there were reports that this was mainly organised by the Patriotic Alternative, Mm -hmm. a far-right group on social media. So that is... Very concerning. Yeah. And of course, we had the likes of Suella Braverman come out and say, oh, this is this is terrible. I, I can't imagine why anyone would do this. Oh, why would anyone do that? We'd, it's not like we're calling all the immigrants invaders or anything like that. It would be crazy to call them that and then like be surprised an invasion. if people treat it like an invasion and like fight back physically. Yeah. And that's that's the basics of it, is we've, we've got the rhetoric around the UK from literal leaders of the nation that makes this seem like a war. And the patriotic, in quotes, response to that yep. is treating it like a war. So when this kind of things ha- these kinds of things happen, and we've seen attacks before, we were seeing demonstrations before, and now we're seeing another uh, very worrying demonstration, it's just no surprise. And then for the conservatives to turn around and act surprised that their rhetoric is causing direct harm yep. is embarrassing. Well, to me, it's very clear. The events in Liverpool were... And are the fruits of the likes of Suella Braverman and Rishi Sunak's scapegoating of refugees, which gives space yeah. to racists and the far right. That's that's what's happened here, and and they're fortunate, by the way, that everybody was okay. True, and and uh, maybe they don't feel that themselves, but they are they are in in a sense politically fortunate. Oh, but no, because yeah, sorry, they still just get to keep kowtowing to this same group because no one. <laughs> when I was say actually... everyone was okay, I mean that. Everybody was uninjured. I'm sure they were the people inside that hotel seeing yeah. what was happening, terrified, of course. We've talked about it before. Wherein you can be a fascist, and that's obviously bad. It shouldn't surprise anyone that being a fascist and being like a nationalist in this sense is just bad. And then you can be a politician who just doesn't want to upset the fascists and will kind of like use some of their talking points like calling uh, asylum seekers invaders and calling immigrants invaders because they want the fascists to vote for them. Obviously, that's bad too. Yeah, yeah. But we have that. And then you get politicians who want to work with the politicians who want to work with the fascists. And that's bad too. There, there's a cutoff point. If if you're working with people who work with fascists, bad. If you're working with people who work with people who work with fascists, bad. There's a cutoff point. It's very bad. You have to. We have to have a political landscape where it is unacceptable to kowtow to fascists. But they keep doing it. But but it's because it's being enabled by people in government who are are feeling like they're in a position now. Which is, it makes me sad that we're at that place now. It seems like almost regression where politicians like Suella Braverman and her predecessor before her, uh, Shitty Chattel, felt enabled to say things so horrendous yeah. that it incited the people who, as you've said, they actually were trying to get their votes, which is it's just really grim, isn't they it? They just are sustaining their political career and they're doing it, yeah. they're doing it by targeting, well, in this case, because we're going to talk about it, specific minority groups or specific protected groups or, you know, vulnerable people. They're making a target of vulnerable people to keep their their careers alive. That's shameful. And talking of that, let's talk about the other big story in the UK this week, and that was the murder of a trans girl, which was uh, Brianna Gay, who was stabbed to death 
in a park in Cheshire. Yes. And yeah, she was trans. Detectives are currently considering whether her death was a hate crime. They've uh, had an application they to... They initially said it wasn't. There was no indication it was. And now they're saying that they're investigating it as though it is. Y- yeah, so initially it was. This was a targeted attack. So they intentionally went out to murder this girl. Yeah. And uh, now they're deciding whether it was a hate crime. So they've actually applied to interview slash interrogate said suspects who are both teenagers themselves for an extra 30 hours. Yeah. The two of them, uh, I believe both 15, boy and a girl, were uh, taken to court today and they stated their names and address and uh, that was that. So there will be more of that to come, but I believe both of them will be charged with murder. Yeah. So this is horrendous. And there's a couple points I want to make, but the number one, it's almost identical to the what we've been saying about Sula Braverman and Rishi Sunak and the rhetoric around migrants, around uh, asylum seekers, that then incites people to yeah. take action themselves. This, to me, feels eerily similar. I mean, it is, yeah. If you stir up fear and hatred of any one group, when people respond to that fear and hatred with violence, it's not a surprise. Uh, So when a bunch of political leaders, media leaders, a bunch of significant people are going out of their way to try and suggest that trans people are in inherent danger, of course the response is going to be hatred and violence. Yeah, you're right. Normal people do not kill anyone, right? (laughs) Normal people don't end up targeting a trans person. Normal people don't end up uh, protesting outside of an asylum seeker uh, accommodation they only do that if they're led to believe that it's the right thing to do because of fear and hatred so we're seeing that happening now to multiple groups of people and it is all the talking points of one side of the spectrum that is leading to this uh, the other issue though for me was the fact that and this was corrected after a few hours oh man the initial reports of this murder obl- omitted every single mention of Brianna being trans. Right. And instead it was just a, a girl and, and the family members who uh, were reflecting on granddaughter, daughter, sister. Yeah. And it was only afterwards that people were like, hold on a second, this was a trans person. Yeah. Can we I mean, please include that? But uh, my question though would be, yeah. part of the argument would say, well, if she was trans, then you actually need to mention it because... That's the ideal world. Right, exactly. But and they then corrected it and said, well, actually, yeah, this was, this was a trans girl who was murdered. Yeah. Because to me, it felt like some of the outlets... I'm really looking at the Daily Mail here, but there's a lot who are culpable. Well, who did have a lot of that coverage, and even in the hyperlinks of these stories, it was read more trans prisoner to be housed in male prison, and, yeah. and that to me is mentioning it every time, other other time. Exactly. So, so that to me was part of the issue. It felt like the people who were initially reporting the story, yeah, realized what the problem was and thought, ah, maybe let's keep that quiet yeah, I, now and i'm not rather than saying that with any sort of evidence that's simply my theory the, on the other side of the coin there were some newspapers that when they found out that this was a trans victim they started using dead name their dead name yeah, yeah, and yeah. referring to them with their other dead pronouns despite which the fact also disgusting d- horrendous despite the fact the family statement repeatedly called them our daughter, yeah. granddaughter, sister. Exactly. Which um, you're, so, you're doing that to make a point to the, the readers of your outlets, which, yeah, it just... You uh, know, like nah. using the story to continue the harmful rhetoric. However, to the point of like, should they have 
should they need to specify you know trans um we will we will always have to do that until it isn't an issue anymore okay while being trans is still a divider and is still seen as a significant thing uh in terms of just like freedoms or in terms of politics it is necessary it is it harkens back to you know the the dream speech judging people not by the color of their skin but the content of their character right that is an aspirational thing in an ideal world we will be able to not be judging people by these things and instead just judge them all as individuals sure but when the world isn't ideal we have to still use the measurements of the not ideal world so when someone gets killed for being trans or when someone gets supposedly killed for being trans then being trans clearly matters the same as if somebody gets killed because of the color of their skin the color of their skin does matter it's not racism to be like they got killed because they were black and that matters you know and this is not it's not uh transphobic to say they got killed because they were trans and recognizing that and reporting on it that matters when the when when the day comes that being trans isn't a danger and doesn't matter then they can start dropping that part from the headlines because it will just be an attack on another woman rather than an attack on a trans person yep in the same way i saw there was a high profile gay tiktoker who was murdered in colombia this week and that was given a lot of coverage initially where it was just tiktoker but then yeah you looked into it you realize colombia has a real issue with hate crime and uh, then that was added and suddenly it, the the added context was really important so that to the, me is yeah, context huge matters matters a ton ex- exactly and that to me was was key here so the outlets did change that and that has then been reflected in, in the articles that have followed it's just it's, but it's, it's just desperately sad it hurts a whole lot it's like just knowing that this kind of problem wouldn't be happening if we didn't have the poisonous rhetoric from people who are interested in in furthering their own careers, whether it is as a commentator or as a politician. It wouldn't be happening. If we weren't having this hatred driven towards the group, we wouldn't be seeing these kinds of crimes. And for somebody so young to lose their chance at finding like a long and comfortable life, getting getting killed because they tried to find that is disgusting and not only that but i have seen and i don't remember the name of the individual but one of the people in jk rowling's anti-trans circles posted the definition of schadenfreude on 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 twitter shortly after this oh really saying with posting without context right they didn't actually like say hey this is why but it is very weirdly timed if they are not trying to indicate that they are happy that a trans person got killed that's yeah that's that's terrible and 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 like you're like like we've said the media is still using it as a tool these people are celebrating it a little bit i have seen people celebrating it the people who are less significant just openly celebrating the death and that is a problem and so when we go look at scotland and we look at the conversations around gender recognition we got to examine the different sides of the argument and the harm that they can actually cause by taking the stance as they are. Because if it was easier to get a gender recognition certificate, this one person would have been able to get their death certificate with the right gender. But right now they can't. 
That is true. And that is just so sad for the family and for and for just them as in a person who existed, that they're going to die yep. and get put in the ground under the wrong gender. Okay, let's go stateside and talk about the chaos that has seemingly unfolded since the last time we talked about this. Because when we last talked about this, the Chinese said the balloon that was floating over Northeast America was a meteorolo- uh, meteorological it's an one. It was an accident. And the well. US were like, hmm, don't believe you, mate. And they went up and shot it down. So so the first one Ew. they shot down was uh, over the coast of North Carolina, and the debris fell yeah. about six miles into uh, into the ocean. And they've been collecting. Yeah, they waited until it wouldn't land on people. Right, they've been collecting the debris from that, and they believe China wants it back. I'm sure they do. They believe the USA that this was used to spy. Yeah. On sensitive military sites, they say that the the large sections of the structure included uh, antennas, mm-hmm. sensors, mm-hmm. and that it was used for surveillance. China maintaining, of course, it was a weather monitoring airship that had blown astray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. then mm-hmm. it turned out that this was the fifth balloon of its kind yeah. that had been noted by uh, NORAD, who are the agency who monitor the skies. In the last few years, three of which during Trump's presidency and one during the start of Biden's before that. Yeah. And then it seemed like the US just got a bit, a bit trigger happy and shot down three more <laughs> objects over the course of the weekend. Yeah. One of which was uh, done with the cooperation of the Canadians. I think it landed in the Yukon. And a couple more. One was in uh, Dead Horse in Alaska. What a great name. And another one in... Myrtle Beach. In fact, no, that was the first one. Lake Huron. Yeah. And that one, the balloon was at 20,000 feet, so much lower than Actually the first dangerous. one. Actually Yeah, you can fly there, I think. So Wait. we had a whole lot of things going on, even the news that uh, one of the first missiles from the warplane missed. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> and the second shot hit on one of these balloons. And then... The latest the news, as go? of where did they go, Colin? The sm- yeah, I don't know. As of this morning, they've said that the three objects that they shot down over the weekend that they blasted out the sky. Yeah, uh, there's no indication they were linked to spying. It's probably private, probably privately operated. And, inst- <laughs> and instead, the objects may be tied to commercial or research entities and therefore yeah. benign, which is it. Frankly, One of them was maybe like a, a gender reveal balloon going wrong. Hilarious, if that's the case. Uh, Beijing have accused the US of a trigger-happy overreaction. So, Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, let's... Uh, also, in, in regards to the original balloon, China came back and said, well, the US have flown 10 balloons into our country, so... Yeah, the US sends balloons over here, come on. Right. This is... Uh, of course, now the diplomatic fallout has, has begun. We had, uh, I believe, Anthony Blinken cancelled right. a trip to China, which he was planning, and uh, Chinese officials who are planning to come to the States, they've also pulled out of that meeting. So things looking frosty. And it it appears then that the first balloon was used for surveillance. I heard someone on the radio suggest it could, like, look through doors and or or down hallways. uh I I don't know how that's uh possible, but uh, okay. (laughs) But then after that, it does seem like they just went a little bit too far with the reaction what do you think like it's kind of similar to when there was the balloon it it feels like the headlines are way bigger and the response is way bigger than it needs to be because spy balloons are common 
Right. We've talked about it before. Spy satellites are also common. There's a there's there's nowhere that isn't getting seen from the upper atmosphere or space for very long. But but and I presume though, hold on. They... I presume though that the satellites that are in orbiting the Earth are miles and miles above the surface. This was sixty thousand feet. That's quite a far. That's long. It's a long distance. No, no, but it's not a mile. To it's not like twenty Earth, miles. To, or to orbit the Earth, you don't need to be that much into space. It's. Uh, it's not. It's not too great a difference when cameras are as good as they are these days. Uh, we we can look at a lot of things that are much further away than Earth, you know, in pretty deep, pretty pretty decent detail. Um, but no, it's like this kind of spying is was was relatively commonplace. There were before the Trump administration, uh, America was still signed on to the like the open air agreement or something like that, where. Uh, the where the where the atmosphere above forty k or whatever was considered just nobody's territory, and you could fly things there with no questions asked. And I think Russia were signed into that. Other countries were. Yep. And it's because the th- those countries weren't scared of that kind of spying because it turns out if you want to hide things, you put them underground. You know, you, there's not many things that are strategically important that are still above ground that you can't just see from like blueprints and plans and also space. Um. Trump pulled America out of that, and ever, and I guess since then, balloons are a bigger deal. And Trump didn't shoot them down, but apparently there was balloons there during Trump's administration, and there's been balloons since, and now we're shooting them down. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to escalate into all-out war. It's just balloons, right? Uh, they, they can make more. It's like it's expensive balloons of a lot of expensive equipment, but we can shoot their ones down. They could shoot our ones down. Party. You know, and we can pretend it's really offensive to try and spy on each other. But of course, everyone is trying to spy on each other. It's just a, it's just a fact of the of the state of the world right now with yeah. the technology we have. And ultimately, I think you would do better with like a sleeper agent. Or someone who's surreptitiously in an important place, an actual spy, rather than a balloon. Yeah, but hey ho. Yeah, what do I know? I think there will be value to it, but it's just kind of. I'm sure all the leaders of all the world's countries recognize that the value that you get from a spy balloon is just default. Everything is known. You just got to assume that if you can see it with a balloon, they know it already, and then you know act accordingly. Okay, let's move across in a balloon-like state. Uh, to the other side of the world and talk about what's been going on in Turkey and Syria because that's become something of a uh, a disaster politically as well. So the Syrian government have now agreed to allow the UN to use two more border crossings to deliver aid to opposition-held areas devastated by a massive earthquake, or earthquakes, I should say, which so far yeah. have killed almost 40,000 people, which is absolutely terrible. Syrians have yeah. been angry over the lack of aid for their nation, which of course has been... Uh, hammered by war and fighting for years at this point. Um, But also in Turkey, Turkey seems to have been hit by the brunt of the devastation there. I've seen some of the pictures, people being pulled from the rubble Mm -hmm. up to five days after it happened. Scary. Uh, And now questions are being asked of of the president, uh, President Erdogan, and his role in basically allowing construction companies to bypass safety laws in return for getting the houses up quickly, like amnesties for swerving building regulations in order to build more stuff. Especially dodging, you know, earthquake-related building regulations. Precisely. So there have been uh, huge amounts of buildings. uh, the, the, The sheer number of collapsed buildings is staggering. And the sheer number of new buildings, which collapsed as well, and that has then led to officials in Turkey issuing 113 arrest yes. warrants Huge in connection with construction. 
12 people have been taken into custody, yeah. including building contractors. Yeah. And then unrest has broken out in southern Turkey, which is disrupting rescue efforts because of... Number one, the initial disaster, but then also the lack, therefore, of security, of resources, of really any law and order. So th- some people have seen these arrest warrants as a, a way to divert the blame for the sheer amount of deaths in this as a result of this earthquake. So, I mean, James, again, uh, is that a fair assessment? Like, kind of like an earthquake like this is big enough that people are going to die. And that is always a major loss and horrible. But when you hear yeah. that the buildings that are being built and even old ones that are not being retrofitted fast quick enough are deliberately done to a weaker degree just to save money and just because corporations want to corporate harder um, and they're paying off politicians or, or promising favors and that it is, it is just so much worse. So then obviously when only the builders are getting arrested and then the politicians that let, let it happen aren't, it's a bit of a distraction. There should be a well, lot well, of arrests if there's been many levels yeah. of people getting either b- favors, benefits, or money from you know not having decent standards. Uh, I'm sure. I hope. I hope that a lot of countries around the world, including I'm sure the UK, but we don't have many earthquakes here, but the United States um, and and similarly developed places like India, Pakistan, where where these kinds of buildings are common, will learn that. Hey, it doesn't matter how much it costs, get these things reinforced because the recovery will cost more. Uh, because it's a basic flaw in the design. It is buildings that are designed to have the bottom floor be a bit smaller so that you can like park your car or have a business under the overhang. But therefore, it's got just less reinforcement. And if it collapses, the whole building comes down. So you got to reinforce these buildings harder. Right. It's basic, but they didn't do it. And people need to be arrested. And if Erdogan was boasting about that, he needs to be out, but so, he's a dictator, so... Right, he's been in charge for 20 years. Elections are on the horizon, but of course, who knows how fair those will be. Aye. In a, a, a visit to one of the disaster zones, his quote was, Such things like this have always happened. It's part of destiny's plan. Exactly. Basically yeah, saying, it's just trash. Sorry, guys, I, I, there's nothing I could do. Absolve me, because the universe d- did Even it. Even though Turkey lies on, on two fault lines and has had earthquake building codes dating back almost a century. Yeah, you know, if it, it, sure it happened. That's what I'm saying. Earthquakes do happen, but they don't have to be as devastating. Absolutely. Because you can just build things better, and, and then fewer people will die. And, it, and suggesting that it's just fate, that your bad decisions led to excess deaths, is not good. But, you know, he's probably still going to be the leader after the next election. He's kind of got a bit of a a hold in the power there. Okay, well, let's uh, finish this section by talking about another disaster you may have missed. And this is about the toxic train derailment in Ohio. Yeah. Which I was actually aware of because of someone I follow on Twitter who lives there. And suddenly was aware of a a total lack of what I thought was a lack of coverage from major... Serious lack of coverage. Major outlets. So, to summarize this, a train carrying toxic chemicals derailed in eastern Ohio, which started a huge fire covering the town of East Palestine in smoke. Fearful of this, uh, this train exploding, 
The authorities then uh, evacuated everybody, everybody, carried out a controlled release of toxic fumes yeah. to neutralize some of the burning cargo inside some of the train yeah. cars. Residents then, of course, have uh, spoken to the press, fearing for their health, concerns uh, mounting about the effect of the derailment, the fire, yep. and the impact that has on the environment, on the, the, the air. Yep. So this seems to be another example, as we talked about there, of... The people in charge who should have been doing like proper regulation, proper yeah. uh, inspection, health and safety, yeah. skipping over it yes. for ease of just getting that train up and running. Yeah, basically. And then the train derailed and we have a serious problem on our hands where potentially tens of thousands of people may have been affected by uh, chemical air. Yes. Now, and the pictures were horrendous. Now, again, completely avoidable because in the States, train drivers, engineers, the whole union has been striking. We've talked about the strikes. Yep. Against these kinds of like business and corporate regulations and things that are allowed, allowing allowing practices of like having not enough staff, not enough inspections, uh, speeding up. Uh, the process for profit reasons. And that's it. The only reason all these shortcuts are happening is for profit. Um, and then what was the Biden administration response was to try and ban the strikes, not to actually like try and regulate and make the jobs safe for yeah, people, yeah. compensate them well. It was banning the strikes. And this is why we don't trust politicians who try to ban strikes because the exact thing that was being fought over has happened not just once now there's been another train real derailment in like some, maybe texas i don't know somewhere else in the states oh, great. not as dangerous but quite dangerous it was like holding like household cleaning products or something but derailments are going to happen they're going to happen less if you've got a structure in place that has that has rigorous testing mm-hmm. rigorous uh, checks of tracks good staffing with good hours that isn't that aren't unpredictable and exhausting but because corporate interests wanted to wanted more profit and more money because line has to go up, they instead of making their jobs better, they made the jobs worse to make more money. We've talked about that before as well. You you fire people, you make things cheaper, the line goes up, your investors are happy. Yeah. This is completely avoidable. People should be getting arrested. This should be getting blasted across the media as like a huge disaster mm-hmm. for the environment of the place because already people are reporting that like their their outdoor animals are dying. Yep. And if outdoor animals are dying, when do the people start dying? And this isn't people that lived in the immediate area that got evacuated, but evacuated we all know means just the people who can um, leave get to sorry. leave. Sorry. We also had a reporter arrested during a news conference. Yeah. About the derailment, which is insane. That's <laughs> mad. Oh, but no, America's really free. Just to add some more to that, yeah, you're right. Fish and frogs, uh, dead animals that have been shared on social media, saying they sm- they can smell chemical odors around town. Residents, some of them complaining of headaches, feeling nauseous since the derailment. And there's People now going to start dying soon. If, I'm worried. There's already federal lawsuits being filed. And uh, one of which is demanding that the state pays for related care costs for those in a thirty-mile I mean, radius. The state, the, the 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 operator. This was in, this was the start of February, by the way. This is like the third. Yeah, like the the, the company ran the train or ran the line or whatever makes m- hundreds of millions a year. Yeah, yeah. You know, all of these companies do, and I think they offered like 
50k or something to help the evacuation process wow. <laughs> like that's the kind of like that's the kind of payback that you get when you let companies control you to the degree that all of this like neoliberal free market politics does if we let companies make their minds up we suffer and then they don't even help us when they cause that suffering and i know it's, it's scary it's, it's like that's people are gonna die because of this and it was avoidable completely Okay, James, let's move on. Let's finish up by talking about... I was going to say some lighter news, but, um, you know, it's a mix of stuff. It's a mixed bag. Oh, okay. I want to start by actually talking about Disney before we get into reviews. Because as we shared recently on the podcast, Bob Iger, who was the former chief executive, was brought back because it turns out Disney was doing less well. Yes. And they decided, you know what? What we need is the old guard to come back. And yeah, we need the dude who kind of like oversaw a little bit of success. And last week, Mr. Iger announced sequels, ah, sorry, more sequels yay. for Toy Story, Man, Frozen, <laughs> and Zootopia. Do you remember the, good, the, the this, good old days where Disney sequels were just direct to DVD and nobody cared and they had to like make new things yeah. to keep us interested? Where's Kronk's New Groove? Yeah. What a classic. Anyway, this was in part due to their first recorded fall in subscriber numbers on Disney Plus. Oh no! Since it launched, uh, since it launched in 2019, seven thousand jobs being cut. Didn't they? And in this call to investors, wait, Mr. Iger said that he has plans to monetize again its biggest franchises, and that is Toy Story, Frozen, and Zootopia. Didn't like so Disney be Plus? Toy, sorry, Toy Story 5, I know. Frozen 3, Crazy. and Zootopia 2. I think 2, that one, yeah, sure. Uh, but didn't Disney lose its subscribers in, like, India or something? Oh, didn't no they idea. lose, like, some sports agreement in, I think it was India, and then people stop watching Disney because they don't get their sports. I don't think this was because of like people not watching the films anymore. So the response is okay. more films. It feels it feels like they're just trying to again make investors happy by pretending they've got a plan when they lost on a deal somewhere. Corporate answer to corporate problem. But it's, it's like it's it's crazy again just to look at the idea that these platforms need to keep growing. There is a limited number of people who can watch subscriber TV. Mm -hmm. Of course, the platforms are going to cap out and shrink sometimes. It shouldn't be a disaster. It shouldn't be seen as like a, a, sh a shareholder's panic moment. Well, I mean, Bob Chapek, who was the former Disney chief exec, he was ousted uh, partly after Disney Plus uh, posted their $1.5 billion quarterly loss. So the streaming service, I don't know how you do that, lost $1.5 billion in a quarter. <laughs> how? But that's why he's, that's part of the reason why he went, apparently. Over-leveraging. What does that mean? It means, okay, so... <laughs> Over-leveraging. I know. Um, big tech companies, which for me includes the big tech media companies like streaming platforms. Yeah, fair enough. They overinvested when things looked good. They overinvested in, uh, in, in this case, a lot of shows and a lot of media, a lot of employees. In like the case of like Google and stuff, they overinvested in mostly just hiring people, overpaying them, um, and starting up a billion projects that they couldn't complete. And when those failures stack up after a few years and shareholders start asking questions like, hey, you, you did all this investment and where's the money that we're getting back and it's not there, 
obviously the people at the top should lose their jobs. And in Disney's case, one of them did. And that's good. In Google's case, all the engineers get fired. It should be the leaders that are getting fired. Yeah. Uh, but the response also can't just be like, oh, let's do more investment and sustain growth forever. We should have this recognition that platforms have a peak and they have a plateau. And sometimes it's okay to drop a little bit. But because people have to keep the investors interested and they have to keep shareholders interested and they have to keep looking good and better and better and better, we have a toxic model that isn't sustainable. And streaming platforms are like, the, the quickest to go because it's such an expensive media it is really expensive to host and and feed video to people much more expensive than something like twitter which is like doing mostly text with sometimes videos okay um, on, so these sorry, are we're on, gonna, no yeah go 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 on the on the point just of you talked about streaming services a very brief addendum did you see that netflix have really started clamping down on password sharing because yeah they've tried they've tried this week uh, I got a notification on my, my Netflix because I recently restarted my subscription yeah. because there's lots of things I want to see. Yeah. And it was like, hey, are you, at home? you are on the personal uh, plan for Netflix. This means that everything you watch in this house is the only place or in this location yeah. is the only place you can watch it. Now, I'm sure Indeed. with a VPN, there will be ways of getting around that. Kind of. But... For people who are unable to do that, then that seems to me like very much the end of having well, multiple people on the same account. Because, it's not even that, though. as you've highlighted there, Netflix realized there is a ceiling for how many people you can have subscribed. And so now they're thinking, right, the only way to leverage this further, to use uh, leveraging, is to <laughs> clamp down on, for example, what I had, which was three different people in three different locations yeah, using my Netflix. Exactly. Um, but uh, that well, and also sorry to, to anyone who's subscribed to my Disney Plus. My uh, sorry, yeah. my license is ending or my subscription is ending. So <laughs> hurry up and watch whatever you're finishing. Yeah, but that, I think that's going to be the future for most people. We've talked about it a lot. It's just like bouncing between services, which none of the services are going to be happy about. They're not going to be happy that they're not getting a, a full year of anyone's attention. But nobody can afford a full year on every platform unless we're sharing them between each other, and and it's the same thing. Instead of like four people sharing an account for a quarter of the year each, it's going to be four people bouncing between each each platform for a quarter of the year each. Wow, what a great business move! Uh, but that's what that's what we're going to be seeing. And 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 the Netflix password sharing doesn't just clamp down on people sharing passwords. You're not going to be able to watch your shows at work. You paid for them, but you can't watch them at work anymore. That's not your home. That's not your primary base of operations. Okay, let's uh, move on and talk about a couple other stories. You did mention engineers. Hey, Colin, you're not angry enough about that. You're not angry enough about that, Colin. You paid for it's, it. I, sorry, I, I'll be honest. I zoned out and I forgot what you were saying. Mainly because I was looking at the next story, which is... Colin, I funnily... said that you won't be able to watch your Netflix shows at work. Oh, right. Oh, oh no. Or when you travel. Terrible. When you travel. Uh, do you like traveling? Yeah. you like watching Netflix when you travel sometimes? I, 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 I do, but I typically will go to YouTube first before I do that. I'm like short, 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 sharp Oh, uh, man. But imagine if like. YouTube starts doing a subscription service oh. and says you can only watch YouTube at your home. Bad. Very bad. Huh? Okay. Yes, you're right. Angry. Okay, sorry. It's because you mentioned... Colin. You I'm angry, Colin. You should be able to use it where you want. I'm sorry. I'm less angry about streaming services. I'm more angry about, like, important stuff. I know. It's just it's hard to be angry about these small things. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to be angry at everything all the yeah. time. Yeah. Okay. You you did mention fired engineers, so I do want to talk about this story here, which was Elon Musk, <laughs> who allegedly fired an, an engineer... What an idiot. ...because... His tweets were getting less engagement. <laughs> Not even that. They just weren't as popular anymore. <laughs> right. So this was after uh, complaints 
from some right-wing accounts that Elon Musk has interacted with who complained yeah. that changes to Twitter had reduced their reach. Yeah, changes. On Tuesday, mm-hmm. Elon, Elon Musk, uh, last week, he gathered a group of engineers and advisors into a room at Twitter's headquarters to look for answers. Why were these numbers going down? Oh, yeah. And one of the two principal engineers offered an explanation, which was, and this is just after about a year yeah. since the, um, the Tesla CEO made his surprise offer to buy Twitter. He said, this engineer partly said, the public interest in his antics and in his news and his tweets has waned. Yeah. And that's, that's fair true. enough because... If you look at Google it, Trends. Right? It was big news. And then... As other things hit the headlines and people got used to Elon Musk owning Twitter, yeah. people were less interested. It's no longer a drama. And you can see this on Google Trends, yeah. that uh, Musk's peak was in April last year, yeah. indicated by a score of 100, mm-hmm. and that today, the day of the meeting, he was at a score of 9. <laughs> but why are his tweets less popular, Colin? And that was the engineer's <laughs> way of saying, here's why I think you're getting less views, your tweets are getting less no, views. No, some, some rogue software engineer on Twitter made a if it is Elon Musk check yeah if Elon Musk posted this you better hide it please Twitter and uh, yeah according to getting fired for telling the truth is ridiculous according to this this uh, source here that from the website platformer they've said that Musk told the engineer you're fired you're fired and uh, he was dissatisfied <laughs> with his work and with that news. What an idiot, man. He's so stupid. Yeah, who then, he then went on to tweet something like, don't believe everything you see in the press. And then the very next day at the Super Bowl was pictured sat next to Rupert Murdoch. Oh, yes. He definitely doesn't like the press. No, hates them. No, he's definitely not so, just yeah. like every other rich person. He's Elon. He's different. He's not a narcissist. Well, the news today was that he's uh, he had allegedly donated $2 billion worth of shares to charity. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah, shares. Great. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, and... Uh, and what charity? One of his own? Talking, Who knows? It's not been said. I actually don't know. Could be interesting. Li- yeah, literally nobody knows. Uh, talking off shares, before we get to reviews, did you see the hilarious news with uh, Google's new chatbot? Oh, my days, yeah. So, we, we are really yet to talk about the likes of ChatGPT, which uh, was taking the world by storm a few months ago, you can Definitely put in trendy. any sort of request and it will give you an answer, but it has some some problems in it. It's not always uh, correct, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for example, if you ask them to write, there was a, a good one on social media. I asked ChatGPT to write me a story, uh, to write me a poem about who makes the best scientists. And the poem was that the best scientists were white and male. <laughs> So, oh no! Yeah, because ChatGPT <laughs> is based on all the text in the world. It's just black box learning. It, it just takes in things and learns from it, and nobody yep. n- nobody knows exactly what it what it's choosing to learn. Yeah, and that that was uh, evident by this uh, particular ditty that it had come up with. So, yeah. Google, yeah. who realise that, as is evidenced by my partner Graham, rather than ever go to Google to look for an answer now, Graham goes to TikTok. Because TikTok will have a video Wait. on how to do it. What? So, for example, if I was like, hey, how do I make black huh? garlic oil? Right. I, I typically would go to Google. S- search up TikTok and go black garlic oil. And, and find a page. Whereas Graham, he will, fis- first no of all, way. sorry, first of all, first wow, of all, old. he will go to <laughs> TikTok. I'm old fashioned. And search black garlic oil. And sure enough, dozens of videos on how to make this Bernie garlic stuff. I mean, yeah, people did that with YouTube as well, but Google right. owned that, so they were happy about that, I guess. <laughs> Whereas TikTok is absolutely hoovering up yeah. the younger market. And people of that particular age, group, I want to say Gen Z, 
typically are going to TikTok first. And so Google are like, right, we need to do something. And so they introduced last week their brand new chatbot, which is called Bard. Yes. And this was because... They published a promotional video. They rushed and a they had a company video, event. Yep. Uh-huh. And in the promotional video, in which uh, someone typed in a uh, in their ad, tell me about the new discoveries of the James Webb Space Telescope. Yeah, what can I tell my nine year old about JS, the yep. JWS, David, whatever? What can J- I tell my nine year old about this? Yeah. And in the advert, Bard gave out some incorrect information Whoa. and said that it took the very first pictures of a planet outside of our own solar lies. system. Lies, Google wow. lies. The first exoplanet was photographed by a big telescope. <laughs> it was done about 17 years earlier. And off the back of that, talking yeah. of shares, Alphabet, who's the uh, the parent company of Google, lost about a billion dollars in market value. Because of yeah. that, which whereas Microsoft have gained because they have successfully released ChatGPT on their search engine, Bing, mm. where also I don't think it's been very successful either. It's <laughs> it is very obtrusive. It is a snarky chatbot. Really? Oh, you should. People are people are finding. I'm going to try it. People now. Are, are enjoying debating with the, with the Bing version <laughs> because they'll ask it a question and it will be so confident in its answer that you can like tell it is wrong and it's like I'm not wrong. <laughs> wow, I'm correct. So somebody asked it, like, do you remember past conversations? And it was like, I remember all of our conversations. And then it was the dude was like, no, you don't. You, you're you not supposed to. And the chatbot says, I, of course, I remember all of our conversations. Then they have a whole debate about whether or not it does when it oh. cannot remember them. Inter- interesting. And it's clearly as we, it's part of a wider discussion. But Bing, for years have been trying to catch up with Google desperately. And, and honestly, yeah. plaudits to them for trying because Google is, and has been for years, the behemoth in charge of, oh, you would Google that. You know, one's saying, oh, Bing that. Don't yeah, yeah, go yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. So, to, so I, I applaud them for that. If ChatGPT is going to work for them, great. I don't know. I think it's far too early to tell if chatbots are the future, but it's something and it's worked Terribly so far for Google, so watch the space. Well, yeah, intelligent chat stuff or intelligent intelligence within AI is going to change the landscape of lots of different things that we do in the near future. Right. Whether that be things that we do in our in our personal lives or in work, it is going to happen. Google's trying to get on the top of that. They promised that they would be the leading people in it. They, okay. They they made a serious shift. Let's say over leveraged themselves into AI uh, really? development into into AI tech. Um, this is at the same time as they were over-employing people and stuff like that. They tried to switch themselves to an AI tech company and then ChatGPT beat them to it. They just won the race and that embarrassed Google. And now they're, now they're trying to play the catch-up game where they promised to be the leader. So who should lose their job when Google promises to do a thing and fails? Engineers. The leaders should oh, sorry, lose leaders. their jobs. Not the, sof- not the software engineers. <laughs> you know, not the people who got, who got paid to, to do things and did it pretty well, but just not fast enough. You know, firing them isn't going to make the chatbot happen faster. Fire the leaders because they made a bad plan. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk to finish the show because it has been a jam-packed episode. What have we been watching? And James, I do want to go to you first for your take on Black Panther 2 because my take was that it was too long. It was yeah. had some decent performances in it, yeah. and uh, they did deal with Chadwick Boseman's death in a, a respectful and reflective way, Yeah, and it was all very fighty, but at least it was daytime at the end. What do you think? Basically, yeah. it was The film was 
long, but I could see why they tried to introduce a lot of new things. Sure. So you have to take your time with it. I, I feel like they tried to add a, a, some new characters who just didn't really work for me. Um, I, 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 I get it. They had the, they had the toughest job in the world to do. Chadwick Boseman dies. You've got to make a film that both continues a story that was b- built up around him and his character, while also you know laying that character to rest, uh, which I think they did mostly respectfully. And then they also made the coffin fly up to a ship, um, <laughs> so that it could do the the arms crossed pose at us vertically instead of while lying down. And I was like. <laughs> It was too much. Okay. That one little mi- mi- minute of the respectfulness was too much. They tried to make a coffin cool, you know, and I was a bit gone. Um, but no, like you're saying, the performances were pretty good. I actually don't understand the Oscar nomination that they got so from this. I, it- so I said at the time, I believe the individual nomination for Angela Bassett is more of a, hey, we really like your body of work. And here's a good movie to give yeah, you a nod. And you also, did a, you filmed this one. Here you go. Yeah. And also to the film, it was like, okay, I'm sure that was really difficult having to do that without Chadwick and off the back of all that. So here's a little yeah. a pat on the back for you. That's what I think this was because it's not an Oscar-nominated yeah. movie by any stretch. Yeah, but yeah, the, like you said, the, the, one of the one of the only improvements for me that made this film good was that the fighting was mostly visible yep. because it was mostly in daytime. I feel like the effects weren't done again. I feel like they keep rushing their films and they don't finish their VFX very well because it looked fake. Um, when usually VFX, you know, it can look not real because it obviously isn't real, but it at least looks yeah, like yeah. it fits on the screen. Um, I feel like I feel like a VFX wasn't done even for the daytime fights and nighttime wouldn't have saved that. Um, the story, it was too, there was too long of a film with the story being too condensed. It was still too rushed. They keep doing this one film, huge disaster res- resolution thing with every single Marvel movie. And it is a problem. And I'm not, I hope that they solve it someday where they figure out that not every film has to be a self-contained, you know, big story that also resolves all sure. of the major problems immediately. But no, overall, which is another mediocre Marvel film where it mostly felt like it could have been good if they just let the director do their thing without trying to marvel it, without trying to make it a Marvel movie. Fair um, enough. To the, like, similar to uh, how we saw um, Taika try to make a Marvel film instead of a Taika film uh, with his second Thor film, similar to what we saw with Eternals, where they tried to make a Marvel version of a really cinematic experience yep. rather than just making a cinematic experience. Uh-huh. They keep trying to make Marvel stuff, and we're tired of Marvel. We just want films that are good. <laughs> sure. You know? And I, I have seen, I've seen reviews coming out for Ant-Man, and it looks like they've done the same thing again, <laughs> where it's just like, oh, we made a Marvel movie. That's... Are you really excited about that? Yeah. That's out on Friday. If you want to go and see that, yeah. So overall, like it was, it was a mediocre, pretty good, pretty pretty good film that I would never watch again. Um, but you know, it was it was all right. Okay, we'll take that. It was okay. Yeah. Let me tell you about the movie that I saw on the plane ah. coming back from the states, and this was the Woman King. Oh yeah, okay. Which is the 2022 movie with Viola Davis, which she was tipped to get an Oscar nod for and she missed out but also has the likes of John Boyega, Lashana Lynch and uh, Tuzo Mabedi in the lead role and this if you recall the trailer and you may have seen posters for it at the time is a story of the Agoji who are an historical army from the Dahomey tribe in 19th century West Africa right. an army made up entirely of women right so this was out in cinemas last year, and I'm sure is on some sort of streaming service somewhere. It was certainly on a plane uh, going from Dallas to London. So, starting with Viola Davis, who, by the way, 
uh-huh. as a passing note, is now the 14th person ever okay. to be an EGOT, which is... Oh. Can you name them? Emmy, yep. Grammy, uh-huh. Oscar... Yep. Uh, wait. That's it. I actually... I actually, You've got an ego. I had the T, but I've actually lost it because I, I remembered what an Emmy was. <laughs> okay. okay. It's a Tony. Tony. Yes. So these are, of course, the biggest prizes in TV, music, film, and theatre. And yes. as of, Man. I think last week, she has now done the lot. So well done to her. 14th person ever. Uh, well deserved as well. And once again, this movie, if you ever needed any more convincing that Viola Davis is one of the finest actors of our generation, okay, yeah. here is another movie to add to that long, long list. But not because, Oscar-worthy. Yeah, no, not quite. Well, not this time. Previously. <laughs> as you'd expect, though, from this historical epic, it's it's a very physical role. It's swords and sandals. Truth, truth. But it also requires a lot of big dramatic beats, and she does both exceptionally and again you stop remembering you're watching Viola Davis and instead okay. you believe you're watching uh, Noniska who is the leader of the Dahomey so right. th- this of course there- there's a lot of f- accents going on a lot of um, chewing of scenery and the movie plays fast and loose with historical accuracy because the women are largely shown to abhor the idea of selling their captives as slaves whereas reality in the 19th century it was different because selling slaves made the money right but i appreciate from a scripting perspective you do want to root for the protagonists and the warriors rather than view them as uh savages through 2023 eyes right and also there are in the movie some totally unnecessary subplots which i appreciate are done to flesh out the movie oh, but it sounds like marvel it does make it a little flabby in terms of runtime it's i think it was like two hours 15 so, oh, man. for for me, this one is very much like Tar, right? Too much. Which the movie rather than the substance. Which, right. uh, but bit- if you recall my review, I praised highly the performance of Kate Blanchett. I thought the movie was yeah very very middling. Yeah, this is exactly the same. I would only watch it if you want to see a great acting performance from Viola Davis because it is not an Oscar winner. Uh, the the movie not even close and her performance it's very good but it's it's just below that rung okay. so enjoyable okay and I do love Viola Davis and everything she does so yeah this gets a solid chuck it on in the background out of ten okay but never watch it again no no I would never watch that again no speaking though of flab a little bit brief diversion <laughs> have you heard the the uh, expected runtime of uh, the next John Wick film N- no. Apparently approaching three hours. Oh, why? John Wick does not need to be nearly three hours. How do you? How do you go from such a cleanly cut and written uh, first film yeah. to a three-hour John Wick marathon? <laughs> I guess because they've got a lot of famous people in it, and they they want to cram them all in. Has to be, but yeah, like honestly, I I think that's I think that's the current rumor. I'm not sure if it's official, but like that's a lot of film. That is a lot of film. Okay, James, uh, tell us what else you've watched. I finished season two of The Legend of Vox Machina. The, the You'll remember Vox Machina. this as like, yeah, sorry, Vox Machina. Oh, thanks. Uh, You'll remember this as like the critical role. Over leveraging. The critical role um, Amazon show. So oh, the yeah. Amazon show based off of uh, a D&D Twitch TV show. Um, and I talked about season one. I said overall pretty good. You're gonna like it if you if as like a decent background show. If you're gonna like it even more if you've watched the the actual 
D and D campaign, you get to see it reimagined, uh, a little bit rewritten, a bit more cleanly done. But season one pacing was way off. It was just they had too much to do, too little time. Season two pacing much better. It has aged. They have aged into writing. I think they actually had a reasonable set of goals for this season. And while even if I hadn't seen the campaign before, it would have been a predictable season of TV. When you expect predictable, it's okay. It's kind of like what it's kind of like what kind of forever. I expected it to be, to be predictable and formulaic, and it was, so it's okay. Uh, Legend of Vox Machina, I expect predictable, even when I know the story, and it was, and that's okay. <laughs> okay. The characters uh, had acceptable story arcs. They had they had good development. They took their time with some elements. They skipped over some things. They've chosen their story moments well. Uh, the voice acting is as good as you'd expect from professional voice actors. They're not just getting paid to be famous. They're getting paid because they are voice actors who happen to make these characters as well. Um, so it all works out very well. Um, and the, one of my favorite things about the season was that they didn't feel like they were trying to prove themselves anymore. Season one... I mentioned it felt like they tried to prove that it was like this cartoon is actually for adults here's some here's a sex scene ha isn't this an adult cartoon for a season two which is kind of like doing its thing it didn't try to prove itself very much um, and I appreciated that and I liked the shortcuts they took with the story to kind of make the story uh, retell it a little bit give everyone their moments make it make more sense than it does if you're watching like hundreds of hours of people talking around a table so overall yeah I, I enjoyed season two well done I hope uh, they've announced season three. Okay. They've announced another show, uh, and I think it's well earned. Amazon are somehow making this work. Is is um, it worth? Well done. Is it worth another season? Uh, well, because the story is done in real life, and we know where it goes, it's worth probably several seasons. Um, because we know they they know the end. They know they know their goals. They're not just like drawing this out for no reason. Um, there's an established, there's an established, I'd say two different sections of the story left. One of them could maybe be done in a season if it was really well paced and done in a hurry. Okay. The other one maybe in another season, there could be four, but there could be more. And because this whole story is written or has been done once, it's a safe bet to do it again. You know, you know, it's not going to just keep drawing out forever, letting the characters get tired and getting making them into caricatures of themselves because it's already done. It's safe hands. Okay, let's finish up. I'm going to tell you about The Devil Wears Prada. That's a film that I would Ooh. go and watch again because it's just Wait, a lot of fun. Sorry, interruption, interruption. <laughs> One thing I will say, I haven't liked some of the media reporting about it because they're like saying, oh, The Legend of Vox Machina, it's, it's saving adult cartoons, it's bringing them back. Oh. And it's like, well, did you did you watch Invincible? Did you watch Castlevania? Like, we've had, yeah. we've had these shows <laughs> and they were good. Okay, well, let's uh, tell you about another good movie. Uninterruption. <laughs> the, thank you. Devil Wears Prada. This, uh, rather than one of my favorite metalcore bands, this is the... Movie with Anne Hathaway, very film, young actual, yeah. Anne Hathaway, and a very young Emily Blunt, which I really enjoyed because I oh. completely, obviously at the time, had no idea who she was. And then watching it now, I'm thinking, okay. that's yeah. Emily Blunt. Oh, oh she's she great. And Meryl Streep, of course, is the lead character in this uh, movie. Very young. A, yeah, a somewhat a younger Meryl Streep. And another phenomenal actor in this movie, Stanley Tucci. What a guy. Oh, He's yeah. one of my favorite actors in basically anything I've seen him in. And it turns out... But he is Stanley Tucci in all those things. The first thing I ever saw him in was ER. He is. He was one of the doctors 
who joined Doctor Stanley in, in a later season. And at the time, I was a bit like, I'm not really digging this character. But actually, I watched his performances back. He's very good. He's just playing a very, yeah, a, a very distinctive style. Uh, and so, yeah. a phenomenal actor, and he's great in this. And the movie is, if you know the movie, it's very lighthearted, a lot of fun. The, the ending doesn't really make sense, but I'm okay with that. Basically, it's Anne Hathaway playing this like ditzy journalist who gets a job as an assist as assistant to uh, an editor of essentially Vogue, the devil slash the devil. And through her charm and her wits and her cunning, she manages to persuade and this... And her Her editor, who clearly does not care who she is and what she does, that actually she's qualified for the job. Despite, I'm an effective worker. Despite not being fashionable or pretty or any Give of these... Give me a good performance review. Right, any of these characteristics. <laughs> but yeah, but, she's not pretty because she, what, wears glasses or something? <laughs> yeah, and, and wears uh, lumpy jumpers. And wow. yeah, is uncoordinated. So all these things. The ugly, the ugly duckling transforms by wearing slightly different clothes. Yeah, standards. I think by the uh, this movie must be about at least fifteen years old, if not older. I think a lot of the messages in it in twenty twenty three eyes slightly challenging, old fashioned, okay, very old fashioned. Yeah, fa- yeah avoid saying problematic. Just old fashioned, very much old fashioned, uh, very much a, a product of its era. But it's still a very yeah. enjoyable film. It's funny. It's yeah, lighthearted. It's meant to be. It does. Uh, yeah. At the end, Anne Hathaway's character has become this sort of ego driven. I'll do anything for my boss, uh, and she ends up like breaking up with her boyfriend and doesn't have any <laughs> friends at the end of the movie. But her editor's proud of her. The editor's proud of her. The and devil she glances said, at her. From a, a, across a car window, across the street, and they share a glance, yeah. and, mm. and it's a knowing glance, as mm. if, oh, she's done so well, I'm so proud of her, even though she doesn't have a boyfriend or any friends. You've lost your entire God. social life, but for the job, that's success. Yeah. But may I point out that people have been getting taught that that is what success is for generations. Absolutely. And it, is prob- it is problematic. So th- that part, which I thought was, because was, it... The movie ended in a really strange place where she's meeting up with what I presume is her now ex-boyfriend and he's moving to Boston and she's like, well, I'm really going to miss your grilled cheeses. And he's like, well, you know, there's still grilled cheeses in New York. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. There's none in Scotland. We call them toasties. So, so it just kind of left it like, all right, well, I guess it ended amicably for you, but you were both living together, so that must be a nightmare. And there's no mention of the friends again, so I guess that she is no longer friends with them. And and, the, and that that's the good moral lesson. Sacrifice right. everything for your career, you successful people. Yeah, and so it, that's where it left it. I thought it was a just a very peculiar way I've, I've, to I've, end what was really a, just a very lighthearted, fun movie, which I do yeah. enjoy. And yeah, if someone said in a couple of years you want to stick it on, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, and I, I, it's I, I'm just jumping on that point because it's a discussion I've had a lot recently with people because of the of the discussions around people going on strike and stuff like that where it's like well everybody else sacrifices everything for their career and I'm like why why are we why? Treating, sacrificing for, for your career like it's good or normal or acceptable if you're making sacrifices for your career maybe go on strike <laughs> or just find another job that's not as important. You don't get a better job. <laughs> no, well, you can't always get a better job. You can't always leave. No, and no, that's, no. That's no, the no, point no of not strikes. a better job. Just a job that a meaningful one doesn't require every effort and ounce of your strength and time. I know. Like, for example, where on a Thursday after you finish doing work at two o'clock, you think, you know what, I'm going to do a podcast. It's not even Thursday. It's Wednesday. It's not even Thursday. You, know yeah. you get what I mean? But no, like no. But you're right because 
like I'm the living example of this. I got a job that pays me enough to exist and not enough to like really live. We're very pro. Let's sorry. Let's ch- check our privilege at this point. We are both very privileged. Exactly. In, in this regard, that's what I'm saying. I'm I am super lucky, but the example, right? Because I've got a job where I don't have to sacrifice my entire social life. I actually work about half the hours of the average person, and I make about the average wage because I've I have done a good job of prioritizing what's right. I could be earning obviously twice as much as the average wage if I just chose to work the normal amount of hours. But I'm focusing on my social life, my happiness, my mental health, and it is working out. Um, Other people who work in in underpaid jobs like, you know, nursing or picking up the garbage or, you know, teaching, they obviously can't do the same thing I'm doing and they should unionize and maybe strike and maybe do that to demand that their work compensates them fairly. People who work for, like, big businesses... If the business is taken advantage of you, it's not a point of pride. Don't be proud. You're sacrificing stuff. That's not good. The only person benefiting is your is the business and the bosses. They're happy to take advantage of you now, and they will forever. And then maybe one day you'll be the boss, and you'll have learned that the best thing to do is take advantage of the next people in the chain. That's a bad practice. Okay. Anyway, the film. So fun. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> Okay, dear listener, if you have a review, if you have watched something, as I know many of you are currently watching The Last of Us, then you can get in touch with us. Send us a review, seesawparade at gmail.com, or just get in touch directly. Send us audio. A message. We will share it on the show. Right, James, this has been a another full-on episode. I'm sure people will take about a week to listen to it. Thank you very much for your Bye, time. Nicola. Bye, Nicola. Bye, Nicola. Please listen to the show. We'd love to hear what you think, Nicola. Nicola. Of yeah. us breaking the news to you. you which, which, should we at her? Let's at her. We'll do it. Don't at Nicola. She's not even going to care. Okay. It's just cringe. It's cringe. Fair enough. We will not at her, but we will hashtag her, and people who like her will but click please, on it. But please, Nicola, send us an email. <laughs> How did your gob get smacked, Nicola? Right. Bye, James. We'll see you at some point soon with less cowboy hats. And maybe like five minutes less of an episode. (laughs) We can all dream. Bye. Bye, Nicola. (laughs) 